0: Let's also hear praise God for the words of our great God, uh, Genesis chapter forty-eight, Genesis forty-eight. So back to the beginning of our Bibles. Uh, there is a sermon notes page there for you. Uh, if you'd like to take some notes, I encourage you to do that as you're able. So that's there as well in the bulletin this morning. Turning to Matthew's uh, uh, to Genesis, excuse me, Genesis forty-eight. <clears throat> After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And, he was, and, and it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel, meaning Jacob, summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, El Shaddai, appeared to me at Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make make of you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrathah. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, uh, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are my, uh, They are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. And the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him to kiss them and embrace them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. But Joseph removed them from his knees And he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, and Joseph's left hand, toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. It displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow." And all of God's people say. Well, that was such a blessing. He, she is such a blessing in my life. Bless you for helping me. We all talk about blessings, don't we? Blessings to be blessed, to feel blessed. I'm blessed. Bless you, you're a blessing. In our Christianese, in our Christian lingo, uh, we, we speak of that language of blessing or blessings, of things that make us feel really good, don't we? That was such a blessing, right? Top Gun Maverick, that was such a blessing, right? Really felt good about that movie at the end, right? Bless you, right? Bless you. you. You made me feel good. Bless you. Thanks for helping me move, right? Helping me pack up my house. Bless you. So it's, it's a word that we use to make uh, uh, to express how we feel, right? It's things or people that make us feel really good. And so uh, this language of blessing becomes totally subjective for us as Christians. Now, we don't want to divorce our subjective feelings, of course, uh, in response to God's blessings. We don't want to divorce those two things. That would deny our humanity. But we've got to understand that the language of blessing, like we have it here in Genesis 48, the language of blessing in the Scripture speaks of God's objective gifts to us in Christ. God's blessings are His objective gifts to us in Christ. For example... We'll skip way ahead in the Bible to Ephesians, the New Testament. The, uh, the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the Jewish rabbi who became a believer and became the greatest apostle. Uh, he says this at the very beginning of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he say blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? So, so, so why does he bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Right, That's his subjective uh, it's not, 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 not just a feeling, but that's his subjective response, isn't it? But why? Here's why. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. God, we bless God because he's already objectively blessed us with all of his gifts, every single one of them, already in Christ. And so we subjectively respond to what God has done for us in blessing us, in gifting us, in gracing us, in bestowing upon us, all that we have, we respond by saying blessed be, right, or praise God from whom all blessings flow. So we bless God because he has first blessed us, bestowed upon us blessings in Christ. So we want to reverse that a little bit, how we think of the word blessing, right, I felt blessed. Uh, That was such a blessing. He blessed me. He, he, she made me feel really good. What a blessing that was. So we come this this, this Sunday to, uh, again, Genesis, we're winding down here. Uh, The story that before us speaks of Jacob blessing Joseph and Joseph's two sons that were born to him in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, But ultimately, the, the, the story here speaks of the God from whom all these blessings come? Not just to Joseph, not just to Ephraim, not just to Manasseh, but also to Jacob himself. Notice this. Jacob begins by speaking to Joseph in verse 3, saying, El Shaddai, God Almighty, right? So he, he begins this whole language of blessing and bestowing upon the, uh, his son and his two grandsons blessings. First of all, by, by saying, God Almighty. El Shaddai. And then when Joseph brings his two sons forward to their grandfather, Jacob, Jacob says, God has let me see your offspring also, right? So he's, he's thinking of God here. When he blesses them, he begins in verse 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd. So before he even spills out a word of Blessed this, bless you that. It's all about God. When Israel would make blessings in later years, Jacob says, verse 20, people would say this, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Well, God. God will do something. And finally, in verse 21, he speaks of his impending death. To his son Joseph, Jacob says, but God will be with you. So we, here we have Jacob blessing, but the stories about the Lord our God and the blessings that are spoken in this passage are about God as well, because they flow from Him as their source. God has been described uh, throughout Christian history as an overflowing fountain of all good. Uh, it may not be an image that we're familiar with, but uh, if you lived in a society that you needed to go take a bucket and put it down into a well, uh, uh, in, into a spring of water, the imagery of God being like a, a fountain uh, was very meaningful. Uh, we might say, well, we can go from the ocean, we can fi- find a river, trace that river all the way up to its source, and perhaps its source in the mountains somewhere. Maybe it's from runoff, maybe it's from an underground, underground spring. But the point is the same, that God is the source of every blessing. We praise God from whom all blessings flow. And so may God help us to understand this today that God is the one who blesses. God has objectively blessed us in Jesus Christ and these subjective blessings are just responses to that. Our blessings, our singing, our prayer, our life, our giving ourselves to God as living sacrifices, uh, these are our subjective response to his objective realities in Christ. Notice first of all, uh, God's blessing of Jacob Verse 3 to 7, 15 to 16, God's blessing of Jacob. At some point after chapter uh, 47 left off, uh, Joseph swore to bring Jacob's bones up to the land of promise. He comes back now to his dad. And in verse 3, we, we hear of Jacob. He begins by recounting what God Almighty has done for him again, as I just alluded to. Uh, And this title here, El Shaddai, God Almighty, it links his pilgrimage, Jacob's pilgrimage, his life, all the way back to his grandfather, Abraham. Chapter 15 of Genesis. That's where God Almighty, El Shaddai, appeared to Abram in a vision, in a dream, as El Shaddai. I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. So, by speaking of God this way as El Shaddai, as God Almighty, he's, he's linking himself all the way back to the patriarch of Israel itself, to Father Abraham. And then he li- and this also links the story uh, back to chapter 28 in Jacob's own life. And that's where he had that vision at Bethel, or Bethel, right? The house of God. And it was there uh, that this El Shaddai also appeared to him. And so when he speaks this way of El Shaddai, he's going back to Abraham. He's going back to his own life. And then he says to the Lord, blessed him. I will make you fruitful and multiply you, make you a a company of peoples, and give you this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession, verse 4. Jacob received that promise. That God would continue his work just as he had promised to work through Abraham and through Isaac, and then also through him Jacob. And it's once again what, what 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 Jacob's prayer here, his blessing by invoking the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. It is God who is driving home the point through Jacob's words. That it is God who has been, who is, and who always will be faithful to his promises. As uh, as Paul wrote, the apostle wrote, uh, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's what this name El Shaddai is pointing us back to. Pointing us back to him. He's the one who has been faithful to Abraham and to Isaac. And he's also now, Jacob is saying, he's been faithful to me too. He's been faithful to me too. And he's going to be faithful to Joseph, to Ephraim, and Asa, and we'll see in chapter 49 next Lord's Day, Lord willing, to all these sons and their families. And so once again, God is saying to, uh, uh, to Jacob and through Jacob, to Joseph, to Ephraim, and Asa, uh, and to us here, once again, he says, just by that name, El Shaddai, the God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God says, You can rely on me. You can rely on me. Once again, God says, you can be confident that I am at work in your life and the lives of your children. Because I was at work in the lives of your forefathers. Once again, God is saying to us in this story that he will never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because he never left Father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He never forsook them, did he? Did he forsake Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or did he keep his promises? He kept them all, didn't he? He kept them all. God Almighty, El Shaddai. God is the one that we can rely on, that we can trust in, that we can know that he is at work within us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. And this is Jacob saying this. The one who's had so many struggles, so many sins, so many wanderings. Furthermore, Jacob takes Ephraim and Manasseh as his own sons. Notice that, that interesting little twist of the story there. He adopts them as his own, even as Reuben and Simeon were his own, he says. If you skip ahead a few verses, notice that Jacob says in verse 11 that, uh, that they, Ephraim and Manasseh, they were unexpected blessings from God. He embraces them, he kisses them and he says, Jacob says to to Joseph, I never expected to see your face to Joseph and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. What a surprise at the end of his life. He's blessed by seeing Joseph. He's even more so to see his grandsons. In other words, the objective grace and the blessings of God are innumerable, loved ones. Innumerable. This is why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that where our sin abounds, God's grace superabounds, right? Abounds above and beyond all of our sin. Where our sin abounds, God's grace superabounds, abounds abounds above and beyond all of our sins. So here was Jacob who was blessed to to see his son, whom he never thought he would see again, to see unexpectedly and in a very big surprise these two grandsons, even more so, blessed beyond measure by El Shaddai, God Almighty. How much more so us in Christ who have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? I've been forgiven of all my sins. I've been forgiven of of, of all my sins. Not just my past sins, not just my present sins, but so amazingly, even all of the future sins that I'm going to commit. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And not just that I am forgiven of my sins, but but now I am actually righteous in Jesus Christ. And not just that, but I am adopted into God's family. And not just that, but I am now being sanctified, becoming more and more like Christ. And not just that, glorified one day in the presence of God, I will see him face to face in the glory of his appearing. (coughs) One hymn says it like this. Oh, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wealth that can never be told. Riches, exhaustless of mercy and grace. Precious, more precious than gold. I never expected to see your face, let alone the faces of grandchildren. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places comes from him. And then notice his blessing of Joseph. Jacob's, God's. Jacob recounts what God has done for him. He had been Jacob's shepherd his whole life, had redeemed Jacob, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who's redeemed me from all evil, verse 15. The Lord's blessing of Jacob was not ultimately found in that he would continue to bless Jacob's family for generations to come or that Jacob got to see his grandsons in Egypt, but in the Lord's amazing, transforming grace of Jacob. And we've seen this for, for dozens of chapters now. That Jacob is a wonderful testimony of how powerful the grace of God is to us sinners in Christ. What does Jacob's name mean again? Remember, what, what does his name mean? He's the one who does what? He grabs the heel, right, of, of whom? Esau. Esau, his brother, right? These twins in a womb. And, he, and, 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 and as Esau comes out first, he's grabbing the heel, clutching on, right? And so he's name's Jacob, right? He is a heel grabber. He's the one who deceived his brother and his father to receive the blessings of the family line. The one who ran away, who spoke of God as the God of my father. Not my God, but the God of my father. He ran so far from God. But God ran after him. God ran after him. The God who has been my shepherd all my life. Notice that. Even when he was a wandering little lamb, off out into the hills, exposed to the wolves, God, he says, was still my shepherd all my life long. God ran after him. God pursued him. God transformed him by his gracious work within his heart, by the power of the Holy Spirit from the beginning of his life to the end. Jacob was transformed by the invincible grace of God. That's why Jacob stands to us as an example to to all of us, but especially those of us who feel hopeless who feel that we are too far wandering away from God, that we've been too wayward from God. You know, I was raised in church, and perhaps my parents, my grandparents, you know, took me to church from time to time, and I learned some Sunday school songs and some Bible stories and so forth. But I've, I've been way too, way too wayward. There's no way, there's no way that God can ever forgive me. You know, there's no way. When I look at Christians, you know, they all have it together. They've all got it figured out. They're all living this wonderful life. They, they are all just without a care. There's no way God can love me. Because we all got to figure it out, right? All of us are sinless here. All of us are just, you know, walking on water and floating on cloud nine every week, aren't we? Jacob is a testimony to us that there's hope for the wandering, for the wayward for the mess of our lives. And for you too, kids. On the other hand, Jacob's just like you. Jacob grew up in a believing family, a Christian family. Jacob grew up in church, right? As we would say, he grew up in church. Jacob grew up learning and hearing about what God has done. But children, that's not enough. It's not enough to have Christian parents, to grow up in a Christian church, to hear what God has done. It's not enough. You've got to believe for yourself. You've got to believe for yourself. You can't just say, like Jacob said at one point, you know, the God of my father. My my dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, my uncle, you know, he believed. You know, God was his God. You've got to be able to say for yourself, God is my God. God is my God. God has been the shepherd of my life all my life. God has redeemed me from my sins. Notice God's blessings as well, secondly. Verse 13 and down to 20. Ephraim and Manasseh. God is the source of all grace and blessing in, in this blessing of Manasseh and Ephraim through Jacob. Go back to verse five there quickly. Uh, I said Jacob adopts them as his own children. This means that they would receive blessings and privileges they would not have received otherwise. Because they're not the sons of Jacob, they're the grandsons, but yet they're adopted as if they were the sons. But in his blessing of them, Jacob does something unexpected here. Grandpa's there and he sits up, he sits up in his his bed and his son brings the two grandsons to, to meet, to greet, right? To bless, to see them. And Joseph's bringing up Ephraim, his firstborn, in his right hand. <clears throat> puts him before Jacob's left hand. Takes Manasseh in his left hand. Puts him before Jacob's right hand. Yeah, I had the other way around. Uh, he, puts, he takes Ephraim in his right hand and puts him before uh, his dad's left, right? Manasseh in his left towards Jacob's right. right? Manasseh is the firstborn. And by having Jacob's right hand placed on him would signify, you know, his primacy over Ephraim. Now we can understand, because, jo- you know, Joseph sees that his dad's, it says his, his side is dim, right? He's, he's, he's becoming blind, and so he kind of leads these grandkids, leads them up to grandpa, puts them exactly where he thinks that they should go. But then Jacob surprises us in the story. God surprises us once again. Jacob crisscrosses his hands and, and puts his right hand on Ephraim's head and his left hand on Manasseh. Joseph knows what's going on and, he, and he's displeased. Not this way, my father, he says, verse 18. Jacob refuses to change what he's done. His switching of his hands on, upon the other's head's demonstrates once again that the blessings of God come from God's initiative in grace. Not in our choices, in our birthright, nothing. Anything in us. You see that? One has a natural birthright over the other one and Joseph recognizes that and he he brings them to the grandfather, to his father, their grandfather, uh, to just cement that natural order of things. But Jacob, God through Jacob, won't have it that way. He's going to do it as he desires. John tells us in his gospel that Jesus, the Son of God, came to his own. He came to the Jews, but his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, whether Jews or Gentiles, Jews or non-Jews, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Then he says this, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but who were born of God. That's what we see here. That's what we see here. The order of Manasseh and Ephraim. It's an order of blood and the will of the flesh, the will of man, and Joseph bringing them up to Uh, to, to Jacob, to be blessed, to cement this natural order of things. That's what he's doing. But God, right? But God. Just as Jacob had been born second, but became first over Esau, not by natural birth, but by the grace of God. And in fact just as Isaac, born after Ishmael. The promised line is not a line of the will of man, the will of uh, uh, the natural blood, or the flesh. But it's a choosing and a blessing of God. It shows us the amazing grace of God. It shows us the amazing grace of God. That you and I, who are like the second-born children in our family, you and I who were orphans outside of the family of God, we who were strangers to God's covenants and his promises, we who were enemies of God, but now in Christ we become like first-born children, first-born sons, we become true Israelites grafted into the tree. We become the friends of God. Not because of our blood. Not because of the will of of our flesh. Not because the will of man. But we become that because of God. And his grace. Orphans become sons. Enemies become friends. Those without grace become those who are recipients of amazing grace. Every single spiritual blessing In the heavenly places. That's why we say that this this language of blessing is about God. It has a divine origin, that we should stand in awe of God's blessings, God's promises, his grace, and his gifts. It's because of what he's done for us that he calls us to live for him, to worship him, to serve him, that we are called to to be here together today as, as the house of God, that we're called to pray without ceasing, that we're called to pass on our faith to our children and The discipline and instruction of the Lord. As one hymn says in holy contemplation, we sweetly then pursue the theme of God's salvation and find it ever new. The surprise here, the surprise of Jacob, just in the placement of his hands, shows us the grace of God. The grace of God and how he's the one who is objectively blessing these grandchildren according to the plan and purpose of God, just as it is with us. And so we see God's blessings here, the blessing of Jacob. We see the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. We also see, finally, the blessing of Joseph, verse 21 and and 22. And so, so just as Jacob blesses Joseph, God blesses him in a powerful way. After all that he has said to Joseph and to Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob then says to his son, I'm about to die, verse 21, but God will be with you. But God... Will be with you, and he will bring you again to the land of your fathers. So, notice this. Here is Jacob, who's about to die, and he's giving his sort of last will and testament here. His desires, this blessing, or this objective blessing from God upon his son Joseph. Wouldn't you say in the story that Joseph has a lot at this point? Doesn't Joseph have everything that he needs, humanly speaking? What does he have? What does he have in the story so far? What does he not have? Pretty much nothing, right? What does he have? He's second in command, isn't he? In the whole, the whole nation of Egypt, the whole country of Egypt. He's in charge of all, the, uh, of all the grain, he's in charge of trade, he's taking money. We saw last Sunday, he's taking all their animals, he's taking all their persons as servants for the Pharaoh. Everything is owned by Pharaoh because of Joseph. He's He's second in command. He has zero lack. He's got it all. What does Jacob have? What does Jacob have at this point in the story? Think about when they came down. What, what do they bring down with them from, from the land of promise? Like some carts? What, some, some, some kids, right? A couple of scraggly animals maybe to have a little petting zoo? I mean right? Some, a little bit of food, some, some clothes in their back. What, was he a rich man? Was he a rich man? Is Jacob described in the Bible like, say, Job was, with tens of thousands of animals and, and all kinds of servants and all kinds of wealth? Yes or no? It's okay to say. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Jacob has nothing, humanly speaking, earthly speaking. What does he have? What can he give to Joseph, God will be with you. God will be with you. Jacob's only possession, his only lasting possession, is God. What does he give him in his inheritance? What does he pass down to him this, other than, than, this, than this objective blessing? God will be with you. We've seen this promise, uh, especially this promise comes to Jacob in the story. uh, To assure Jacob that the Lord was not only near him, but was near to save him. When Jacob was afraid, God promised his presence. When he was afraid of his brother and his brother's armies, God promised his presence. When Jacob thought he was a dead man in the land of promise, God promised that he would go down with uh, with Jacob to Egypt. When when, when Jacob was afraid and scared and and thought he was a dead man, God promised to live amongst him in a special way. In a land that was not his own. And he's already promised, we've seen, that even after Jacob dies, he will come up with his people and the bones of Jacob as well. All Jacob has to give is God. All Jacob can give to his sons and his grandsons is the gospel. That's it, right? Doesn't Paul say that with food and clothing, that these will be content because we come into the world with nothing, we're going to go out with nothing. You got nothing coming in you, you can take nothing with you into the afterlife. All you can do is pass off to those you love the truth, the faith, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he passes down this objective blessing. God will be with you. So Jacob was blessed by God. Ephraim and Asa were blessed by God. Joseph as well was blessed by God. And all these blessings that they receive here in this chapter, God's promise to multiply Jacob's family, uh, giving the land to them, shepherding Jacob's life, redeeming Jacob, Joseph's sons being adopted as Jacob's. God's promised presence near Joseph. All these, all these blessings are summarized, of course, in that one great blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly places where? In Christ. In Christ. All these blessings are summarized in one Christ. Jesus Christ. That's the one great blessing that God gives. That's the one thing that we have that we can give. That's the one person that is with us to the end. Who shepherds us in the beginning of our lives to the end. He's the one that we can pass down. And that's it. That's it. He's the one of whom the psalmist is saying, and the people of God acclaimed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the one whom Paul praised for giving every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus even as he chose us in him, even as he's predestined us in love, even as he made us adopted as sons, even as he gave his son to redeem us by his blood, even as he's poured out his spirit as a down payment into our hearts, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God from whom all blessings flow and we receive them in Christ. In Christ. Do you believe that today? That God blesses you in Christ. Not to just to Make us feel good, right? This sort of christian ease that we use. Well, that was a blessing. He's been a blessing to my life. Bless you for helping me. No, we we bless God because in Christ, He is that great objective grace, gift, and blessing who will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will forgive you of all your sins. He will make you as righteous as He is. He will work in your heart uh, until the day you die or the day he returns and you will see him face to face. He's the source and he's the object of all these blessings. He's that blessing. Believe in him today. Trust in him today. Love him today. Let's pray. Our great and our gracious God, we thank you for the blessing of Jesus, for life in him, eternal life, life more abundant, a life that cannot end Uh, Lord, a life in which we know that you are with us uh, as a shepherd through all the ups and downs, the trials and the tribulations, the joys and sorrows of this age until we see you face to face in the age and the glory to come. Father, help us to meditate upon your word today again as we hear the great stories of our forefathers and foremothers, all that you had done for them. Lord, you're the same God for us, the same God yesterday, today, and forever. We trust you, we love you, we praise you. And now, Lord, help us, even as we still struggle to believe these things, that you are for us and that you have blessed us. It's hard for us to believe as sinners, but yet we know it's true, but it's still hard. And so use the Lord's Supper, we pray, to assure us to to be that means of grace that that presses home to our heart today, uh, that you love us, that you've forgiven us, that you are with us until the end. And we ask this all in Jesus' name and all of God's people say.